Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. That's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. What's up? Hello. We just got into good shield stuff. Oh, yeah. I am remembering why I loved this season so much. We're starting season four today, by the way, <laughs> if you didn't know. <laughs> um, it's so good. Like right immediately, like opening scene. I was just like, oh, yeah, this is great. It's, yeah, this it, it moves really, really fast. Like it's mm -hmm. it's one of those ones where they have I mean, this one almost has like three chapters. There is so much going way. on in this episode, like so much to get to be caught up on as a viewer and like the differences like of what's happening. And then like so many new characters introduced. Well, not really. Yeah. There's one, but there's a lot it, of elements with other like recurring characters that are like there's, oh, there's okay. shorter two because there's a yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. Or at least yeah. the beginning of one sort of, but definitely, yeah. it's it's weird, uh, but good. And uh, we get a, a couple of fun comic connections, although they're a little bittersweet, given the news that we talked about a few episodes back about uh, a show that was sort of a, sort of a spinoff of this that has been canceled yeah. from uh, Hulu. Yeah, super bummed. Um, well, before we get started, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community, so be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC and their website, butwhythopodcast.com. We're super proud to be a part of their community. And at some point, we're going to try and get our editor-in-chief, uh, Kate Sanchez, on here to talk about Robbie Reyes because she absolutely loves him. I'm sure there is a lot to talk about. And with the the news that just came out what, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about before with uh, the new Ghostwriter show being canceled. Um, as soon as uh, Jeff Loeb is out of the picture, <laughs> so it really sucks. sucks. There's only yeah. one show that's moving forward. It's live action, I think, and and even the even the cartoons. Like one, I they just did an announcement that they're still committed to doing all the cartoons, but one of them. They just fired the entire writing staff. For, Holy shit. For the, uh, the Dazzler and Tigra, which is going to be an interesting one in general. It's supposed to be a very, like, kind of, I think, like, lighthearted, kind of comedic uh, two woman superhero uh, team up sh cartoon show that would be, been not, you know, uh, Beavis and Butthead or South Park style adult uh, cartoon, but like made for adult audiences. Yeah. That, that yeah. was supposed to be uh, sort of the, like their FX style. Uh, uh, content uh, or what the Fox movies are hoping they'll be allowed to still do with like Deadpool and whatnot. Right. right. But no, it's a real disappointment that like that was the one I was looking forward to the most, I think mm -hmm. for sure, because he's, because he proved himself on this show. Like he, he did a great job as Robbie and they did a great job with special effects. And it was a lot of oh, the same yeah. people from the show and it should have been good. And the, uh, it really sucks that, with the ousting, it seems like of Jeff Loeb that that's one of the things that fell to the wayside. And that's you, uh, you brought up that he really should get a lot more credit than he gets for actually hiring diverse voices and for promoting diverse characters. Cause he did it better than they did in the movies for, from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it just sucks too. I mean, we've mentioned this before, but this was going to be like the first leading uh, Latinx leading uh, show uh for marvel ever if that i'm not mistaken yeah i mean as yeah. far as like this the yeah. solo like like main character because of shield we have uh yo-yo as a main cast member but that's an ensemble and that's not to diminish it but it, it but again that's also it's jeff flow did that and yeah. also had the gifted where he had one of the main like right. one of like the central six characters was was a, a 
Latino man. Like, like, like they're, they're trying, or at least Jeff Loeb was trying. <laughs> and yeah. it sucks to see literally like he leaves or it gets ousted and it stops. And I know that we know that Feige is, is also trying to improve, but he's been much, much slower to do so. Like he seems much more willing to let the conservative route of doing things really, really slow and incrementally. Yeah, I mean, we're just now having a Black Widow movie come out like 10 years too late. <laughs> and just now having, you know, women of color allowed yeah. to, to be in director's chairs and whatnot. Like, whereas yeah. like, again, he put Mo was one of the two people in charge of this show from the beginning. Like, mm -hmm. it's yep. important. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, it's a bummer. Um, but at least we get to enjoy seeing Gabriel Luna um, be ghostwriter. And I'm not on here I, because yeah, it's, so, it's so good. Well, and it reminds me, like we, we talked about, uh, we derailed the beginning of a couple episodes ago <laughs> the same way about the Disney Plus ratings. Like, like yeah, the, yeah. The, the the pilot program for Disney Plus had through the roof ratings. Their number one show period was Agents of Shield. Yeah. I feel like you look at all this stuff coming together, and ho I, I don't want to be a Snyder cut guy who uh, you know and like yeah. who believes in something that pro like, like it definitely doesn't exist in the way they want it to. Mm -hmm. Like, but who but but who believes in like a hope that isn't real or like yeah. holds on to something. I'm not like pining for it, but just like, I think it's legitimately plausible that they could bring back, you know, agent Carter, like we talked about, I think it's mm -hmm. legitimately plausible that they could re reconsider this and like, maybe because of the way it tracks, they wouldn't reinvent the wheel and wouldn't start it over with a completely fresh continuity in Texas. Yeah. You could still have him start off in, you know, in, in East LA and, and, and grow into a new, uh, to grow into a story about the border, you know, like they, yeah. they wanted to tell because man, then they wanted to tell an important story too. Like not just a, a, a oh Latino God. led show, but like yeah. a show that dealt with what's actually going on. And yeah. I can't help but fear that that's a part of it too. That, you right? know, political they don't want to upset some of their shareholders possibly. As they're getting closer to election time, like that's, mm -hmm. that's, that shit lines up too, too perfect to not yeah. be a little bit, you know, involved. It's, it's yeah. very upsetting. It is because like, especially Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in particular, like has always kind of, you know, not nodded at like current events and things going on. And it's like, Hey, this isn't okay. Like <laughs> in the next episode, they throw shade, <laughs> they throw shade at the U S not really participate in other first world countries, not really participating in the climate change accords that they signed. Yeah. yeah. Like they literally, they, they, they yeah. don't hold back. <laughs> they don't. Um, yeah, it's just crazy because this this first half of the season fo really focuses on that like Chicano, like East LA, like uh, muscle car culture that's like so like iconic here with like the you know the gray grayscale tattoos and all that stuff and just like what that is about here and the street and the art people and the, and the, yeah. and, the and like kind of celebrating that culture in in a lot of ways and like sh i don't know and if, then if, to be if, able to do that with like a tejano culture at the border like in highlighting like all of these like uh, you know technically mexicans that have been in the country for longer than most of the the white immigrants <laughs> white immigrant groups that have come into this country and then showing like what I don't know, just like the just just the the culture that has been built here in this country, like as you know, these these 
these groups of people like have been here for way longer than than any of us. <laughs> like, well, absolutely, and I think that too. I I think that the reason why it excelled so well here on Shield is because it it felt. Like it, like you know, we both grew up in the Southwest. You know, me and in Phoenix, and you here in California. But it's like it felt less stereotypical than I think for people who who have some familiarity and and, oh, yeah. and especially for people who live live in it. And mm-hmm. actually, it's, it is their own culture. It feels like it's like it's a less exploitive and less stereotypical and kind of just dumbed down version of it. You know, mm-hmm. like we, like it it. it, it just feels a lot more authentic and a lot of that's probably because it was shot, you know, actually in those locations or on those, mm-hmm. loca- those locations here. And just yeah. the casting was good. It just, it- there's like, there's a shot where they're standing in front of white Memorial, which is like in Boyle Heights in East LA. Like I was like, Oh, this was legit shot here. Like shot in El Monte shot in Monterey park. Like all of these areas. <laughs> like, Oh that- yeah. This, this episode, Daisy gets on the bus and it's like, this is the orange line that I yeah. take all the time. It looks yeah. a little different from three years ago or whatever. But like, I literally am like, oh, man, I, I take that bus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it, it's super lived in and real. And like, yeah. and, and usually even when stuff is well-meaning, you know, I, I feel like it goes through enough white executives and people who have to say something or whatever. It just feels like it's either sanitized or or just like, kind of racist even if it's well-intentioned like, like it's yeah. it's like it's a it's it, and this feels like the least backwards i've seen you know the introduction of a character who is like who a lot of their background a lot of a lot of what makes that character interesting and and full and real is is their you know uh mm-hmm. latino background and 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 and, and it's it, i don't know it just feels very real and it sucks to think we almost had that as like a committed series and now it's in like a different and showing like a different, um, different Latino culture that's yes, also absolutely. Like, you know, original Mexican people living in the US. It's like <laughs> Well, as you point out, one of the oldest cultures in America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like like give it give it a chance to to shine. Like, man, because there are no Latinx heroes in our yeah. movies and TV for the most part. And if they are, they're like supporting characters like on shield or on flash. And and that, that's not to undercut any of them because I'm really glad that, uh, that you know, that Carlos Valdez on, on uh, the flash and that uh, Natalie on, uh, or uh, on shield, you know, that they're uh, Buckley Cordova, that they're able mm-hmm. to like actually get, I, I, I feel also like give authentic voices and, mm-hmm. and, 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 they're important characters. I don't want to diminish that, but just to have them be the main character and the hero, that'd be pretty rad. Yeah, I agree. And showing just like not showing their culture as a joke or a stereotype, like showing it how how real it is, how organic it is. and Celebrating even it, right? Celebrating it and showing excellence in these people. Like it's uh, so many missed opportunities. I, hopefully, like this does get put back, like on the list of things that is possible for Disney Plus. I mean, they're fucking making like that stupid Aladdin show with the white prince dude. That I didn't see the movie, so I don't even know who it is. But instead of like actually making a show like a spinoff 
uh, with the guy who played Aladdin, the Middle Eastern guy who played Aladdin. They're making this like spinoff show with like the what the one white dude that was added into the story. Like, well, and the uh, optics that the guy <laughs> guy Richie inserted in because he couldn't conceive of a story that didn't have a main a white, white character involved. Yeah. <laughs> what like, like, is meanwhile is not getting any calls for auditions even yeah, after the, this movie made over a billion dollars. Like the the optics of that is insane, and it's like and. It, it's like I, I thought that guy is funny in a couple of things. I've seen him in things, but I also thought he's not that great. Like he's just a good-looking white man. <laughs> like, get another many... Lincoln here. Like it seems like that's what it's <laughs> like. I really do think that's what's going on, and I, I don't like it. I don't like that. Like Disney Plus is going to give us a lot of cool stuff. We're going to get a Cassian show, you know. Like mm-hmm. like like we're going to get hopefully hopefully kate bishop will be well cast too uh but it's just like yeah and obi-wan and and there's been mandalorian's been a mixed bag i know you probably have recently talked about it on a podcast and will again (laughs) you know yeah uh, yeah by the time this airs i don't think the other podcast will have aired yet um about season five of mandalorian but I mean, season five, episode five. From the yeah, we're getting stuff way in advance. Spoilers: Yoda's a really surly teen. No, um, oh my god. <laughs> no, it's there's there's lots of good, but there's lots of stuff clearly, like with the Mandalorian and with with uh, missed opportunities and whatnot, like this stupid Aladdin spinoff. Like, there's a lot, there's missteps amongst all the good stuff too. And yeah, it just shows that you really having a white woman at the top having like a quote woke white dude at the top isn't enough like you need people in power that have the ability to bring people with talent from different walks of life from different viewpoints from different backgrounds and i don't know if kevin feige is that person to be honest like he's trying but i really i mean he's done what two movies that are now considered like better (laughs) <laughs> different perspectives captain yeah, marvel and, and captain marvel had a dude like co-directing so it yeah. wasn't even like an all-female like production like <laughs> no and they've tried to like downplay at every like we've talked about before like every every, every turn they downplay women's uh involvement in other in other stuff that they've been extremely important you know about mm-hmm. like like i don't know it's uh and not that's not all him i know but like you said, I don't think he's necessarily the person or the the best person for that job. You know, like yeah, he, he has a, he, like it sucks because he's done a good job on so much, but it's been but but in the, in terms of progress, he's been moving really slowly. Yeah. And like even when they made good moves early on, once they were free of uh of Perlman and and whatnot, yeah, uh, you know, you know that. Although it's funny because actually speaking of Perlman, uh, Nicole Perlman, you know, wrote Guardians of the Galaxy and other yeah. and, and other stuff yeah. like earlier on, but they downplay that. Like James Gunn acts mm-hmm. like he did it all on his own, and and I was just thinking like it's so weird. Well, not Perlman, Perlmutter. It's so weird that Perlmutter did <laughs> did for some reason. I was thinking Ike Perlman, and that's not a man. No. Or at least not anyone famous. <laughs> I'm sure there is an Ike Perlman somewhere, but. Uh, Maybe I got him confused, combining with Itzhak Perlman, which is yeah, the, the violinist. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Perlmutter was like a, a, he monkeyed around in the movies and messed it up. Like Patty Jenkins almost made Thor two, and he mm-hmm. scared her off because he was like 
bugging everybody, and he stopped uh, Edgar Wright from making Ant Man. Which I mean, I I like the way Ant Man turned out. I, I like his idea sounded really cool too. But I've also re looked at all of his movies after Baby Driver, and he cannot write or include women as Mm-mm. unique characters with unique voices and perspectives. Like it's like he's allergic to it and gets yeah. worse and worse at it as he did. Moves, he do the on. second Ant Man movie. Um, uh, the same guy who did the first one did, uh, okay. who is Peyton Reed okay. and also did bring it on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I and, mean, cool. <laughs> uh, but like, I think he, I think he actually did a pretty good job. Like it's not, yeah. they're not perfect movies, but they're really entertaining. And, and he included, you know, more prominent people of color and women in important roles by the time that the second one's around, you know, like, mm-hmm. like the their main adversaries but not really villains are people of color you know and yeah. uh and they become their friends by the end like in a very comic booky turn of yeah, events yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it, i don't know it's uh, uh again it's an example of like it's a little bit better but it's still a white guy's in charge so it's still the majority of the heroes all the hero- heroes in costume are white dudes yeah and, and all the backup players are people of color right and they're they're <laughs> And even the ones that are well used and well written and well performed still have like a little bit of a twinge of white supremacy shit. It's like Michael Pena has to play an ex-con. Why? Yeah. And his his character is kind of used as a joke a lot of times, too. Oh, absolutely. Well, he's not it's not hateful stereotypes. I don't think are really applied to him other than the ex-con thing, which is super important. It's definitely (laughs) worth mentioning is it's, it sucks and it's way too commonplace. Like, I don't think there's any examples of Mexican American superheroes like at Marvel. Like, like, but I I don't think I can count past one hand ones that aren't ex-cons. It's gross. But yeah, like like, thankfully they're not exclusively, but it's, it's just, it's way, way, way too commonplace. Like some people think it's an original idea or whatever, but it, it just happens over and over again. And even in, even, uh, our ghostwriter character has some involvement in that stuff through his family. And well, and also he like didn't finish high school. He like dropped out, which is like also not a great, like stereotype a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And and, I mean, there's, there's a story element to why and all that stuff. He's doing it to support his disabled brother because he's playing it on his own. (laughs) Like it's not like, I don't want to be unkind to Felipe Smith who, created him and yeah. and, uh, and accuse him of that stuff too because for one he's not a white dude <laughs> and yeah. and he grew or and, and i didn't grow up but he spent a large portion of his life making actual actual manga in japan making mm-hmm. uh, uh comics making comic strips there about about being an american person of color living in japan and Interesting. Yeah. uh so i i think he's definitely i'm glad that he created robbie and the yeah. and the mm-hmm. end of it his voice was you know instrumental in creating it and it wasn't just a well-meaning white comic creator like like yep. so often like so yeah. often but it's all just microcosms of the same thing whether it's the tv people the movie people or the comics people it's all that just that same bullshit where and too as time goes on with a lot of stuff we find i think that we it's it's impossible without actually knowing them which ones are real legit well-meaning white people and which ones are just kind of acting and act because they think that's what they're supposed to or they think yeah. that's the best way to be successful like it's very it sucks yeah it does and we're, weirdly it applies like both directly because we're talking about this ghostwriter character and that's what this whole episode's about but also it sort of like feels like it on vibe wise aligns with the director who we hear about this episode 
and yeah. actually appears in the next one. Like he sort of epitomizes that in a, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. He does. We'll get to him because he's we. I mean, we were talking talking off pod a bit before we started recording. I think we should save that for the next episode. Sure. It's an interesting conversation. Yeah, and he's he's a loaded um, character. Like, like not is. in a bad way. I don't think, but but he's. Okay, there's so a lot there. <laughs> there's, there's a lot there, both on yeah. the surface and in the story and subtext. Like it's yeah. it's in, he, he's weirdly layered and loaded. You know, I think like on the surface, it doesn't yeah. seem that way, especially at first. Yeah, um, we should probably get into the episode. How, yeah, how no, we, this is another one with like, a long preamble, but it's like all, twenty. <laughs> it's legit on topic though, it which really is, is. Yeah. fascinating yeah. that we were able to have our longest preamble diversion, but it's actually about the show Shield and stuff pertinent to it. I'm impressed. (laughs) Yeah. There's going to be a lot of conversation, I think, like in in this entire season, just because of like everything that's like wrapped up into it. There's so many layers in this season. Oh, Oh, and this season is so fucking good. Like, I forgot how good it was. It's so good. Like, (laughs) it dovetails into uh, what was going on with the comics at the time, too, with Captain America. And yeah, yeah, it's by the end of the season. Lots of stuff happens. Yeah. All right. Let's get started or let's get going. Yeah. For, <laughs> for, for real. Let's, let's talk about the things that we're talking about. It's all right. You guys like to listen to us talk for two hours. It's fine. Um, this is season four, episode one, titled The Ghost, written by Jed and Moe, directed by Billy Gearhart, and originally aired September 20th, ni- or <laughs> September 20th, 2016. 1916. <laughs> oh, upset. <laughs> so this episode opens up with some kind of car chase and we don't know who these guys are but we find out later that they are members of the Aryan Brotherhood which is like a skinhead gang in LA and <laughs> Southern California and um uh and, and it flashes to another scene where Daisy is getting dressed and it's very sexy she's like putting on her underwear and like zipping up her um, uniform and um, we see like on the table that there's like a watchdog mask and a ton of money and it's just like a very it, it's a very different opening scene than we've seen in S.H.I.E.L.D. before it's very like oh this is this is going to be a different type of season I think is like what that's trying to say um, and back to the car chase like the tires blow out and the guys are like it's coming it's coming and then daisy shows up and uh she like is you know the guys are jumping out of the car and and um uh (laughs) the guy's like he got me he'll kill us all and she's like who are you talking about and then um she runs off to there's like some woman standing next to a car so she runs off to protect her and then this vintage dodge charger pulls up and the white dudes like shoot it with this rocket launcher and now the car is on fire and still driving and um the driver like drives over to where all this like spilled fuel is from the 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 car chase situation and the ground lights up in fire and we see this like there's some like mysterious thing that's dragging these dudes around and just like mutilating them like we see the blood spray from one of the guys like he's pulling them out of the truck and then he pulls one guy out and he puts him in the trunk of his car and Daisy is watching all of this with this horrified look on her face and the guy turns around and he has a flaming skull and she's just like what the fuck are you <laughs> and um, the cops show up and she's like ah shit which of course they're going to think it's her that did all of this and she does her superhero um, quake jump and bails <laughs> what an intro to Ghost Rider good lord um, 
on the Zephyr, Mac and Coulson, now Agent Coulson, are playing gack, backgammon. Um, <laughs> gackgammon. Um, and they apparently have been running around the world looking for inhuman issues. I don't know. Um, and they are, they, you know, they're kind of talking about like, yeah, you know, where, where are we now? Like we're over the North pole. Like what time zone are we in? You know, remember in Berlin, we found that empty apartment and there was a bong. We knew it wasn't real then. And Colson's like, I could smell it from the hallway. <laughs> and, um, Mac is like trying to talk Colson into letting him work on Lola. And, um, then, uh, it's agent Davis, right? Pops in. Yeah. Who officially has a name, agent Davis. <laughs> it's, a uh, um, Jai Ying's husband <laughs> in real life not this is not a not mike situation <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's actually agent davis um but yeah he is married to uh um uh Dakin lockman um, so, well, they made a reference maybe to their actual pregnancy because <laughs> they, right. they, they they, they yeah. ask about yeah his, his uh his wife how she, how she's doing and he says she's getting bigger every day every yeah, day yeah. they give him a look and he's like uh, more beautiful <laughs> every day. It's like that's better. Yep, yep. Um, so he he's like, oh, we're being called back to HQ, and um, Mac is like, oh, it's gonna be good to see Fitz and Simmons finally. And Colson's like, yeah, and Agent May. And Mac is like, mm, maybe for you. <laughs> and then we go to see Agent May uh, at the base, and she is sparring and kicking everybody's ass. The poor guy that she's sparring against has like all this padding on, and she's just like beating the shit out of him. And meanwhile, there's like her team is like watching and. She tackles the guy to the ground and she's like, what did he what did he do wrong? And she's like, obviously training them. Um, and Piper is a part of her team now. So she's going to be a series regular, which is very exciting. So her and Agent Davis are part of the team. Um, and uh, she sees that Colson and Mac are landing and um, she apparently she is the one who called them in. Um, she got a tip that there was some weird shit going on in L.A. with like some fire and some Aryan Brotherhood people and the cop said that there was a uh, quake was present and so they know it's her uh they know it's daisy her daisy <laughs> you know who i'm talking about um and uh she called them in um because she knew that they would want to get like a head start on this by a couple hours because once the po the official police report comes in um the director will take over and won't let them uh he'll he'll pull them from the case so he is actively not letting anybody from Colson's team deal with the Daisy situation um i don't and they mentioned like it's a waste of resources like we can't catch her blah 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 all kinds of things. Um, but they're going to go in unofficial, which is very naughty. Um, and apparently Daisy has been hunting watchdogs. Um, so this is somehow related to that. And so Mac and Coulson are going to L.A. Um, and we go to a hospital, which it's one of the Aryan. It's the Aryan Brotherhood, one of the Aryan Brotherhood dudes that was left alive at the scene. And he's in bed and Daisy shows up to interrogate him. And one of the security guards or the cops like comes to the door and she just like quakes the door closed. She has this like super smudgy, like smoky, dark, dark eye makeup on. And oh, like she she looks <laughs> like she is a goth kid who knows how to do makeup. Like there's not in a bad insult yeah. way, but like like she looks like. This is this is Daisy's goth face. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's accentuated by her outfits later on as well in the episode, but like like her civilian outfits, but like yeah, her, that makeup especially. Like the, yeah. that's the way that's the way to get the same equivalent of her in a black tank top over a fishnet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like, like long like, black hair. Yeah. It's it's the way to get that same effect while while in her shield uniform. And is it 
me or is it the same as your usual uniform but it's like a flat black with like red yeah. piping instead of like the navy deep navy and like purple piping or whatever or like yeah, silver I'm wondering... piping I had before it's like she dyed it or something yeah <laughs> yeah something like that it's, but it's it, it's that's I, very goth and like is, rock like, of her to like take a sharpie and color in her part of her uniform <laughs> i guess it's what, it's what it seems like a little bit yeah <laughs> i had a i had a really big problem with like some of the costuming in this in this i guess like the first part of the season because her clothes look too new they don't look lived in i'm like nope no no goth girl would wear stuff like that <laughs> like no, she's buying a new outfit every day yeah somehow. like she, went, she like, bought she went straight from hot topic to the scene of the <laughs> like <laughs> Like there's no way. Where are the holes? Where are the you know the yeah. faded whatever? Anyway, um, but her I'm like her. I mean, it does. It symbolizes that she is definitely not an agent right now. She is rogue, um, but she's like still wearing her uniform, which is interesting. Um, and uh, the guy, she's like, "Tell me what you know. Tell me, you know, tell me everything." And uh, he's like, "No, it's too late for me." Um, he, and he says, "When the writer burns you, he burns your soul." And then he like stands up, and his wound in his stomach is like bleeding into his bandages. And then he just collapses on the floor and dies. <laughs> and the co- she lets the cops in, and she like quakes a hole in the wall and just jumps out. And so of course now she, they you know they think that she's involved in killing him. Um, so crazy. So when Ghost Rider like gets you with his chain, you don't heal. You just die. <laughs> like no matter what, apparently. Um. We go to the next scene, which is Simmons is like in this empty lab and she's floating. So we realize and she she's in some kind of simulation. And Fitz has been working on something called the framework with Dr. Radcliffe, which is supposed to help shield agents do like simulation training. So Agent May doesn't have to like send them to the to the to first aid. Hospital every time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say hospital, but that seems extreme, but I guess it's true. Um so interesting that that was the original intention for the framework. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll come back. Yeah, I wonder how season, that'll go. Right? <laughs> Worked out perfectly for Fitz. Yeah. Everything always does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, this, this is a very interesting episode for Fitz. Um, we'll get to that in a second because there's a scene where I'm just like, oh, I did not notice. It, it, looking back, like doing a rewatch of this episode is like, wow, there's, they set up a lot of stuff like from the beginning, which is really cool. Um, so Colson and Mac are like at the entrance to the lab and there's some new guy that's like blocking the door and he's like, you don't have authorization to come in here. And Simmons is like, oh, let them in. Like, they're good. (laughs) He's credited on a couple of wikis. I looked him up to see when I was doing my usual, uh, scouring of the cast to make sure they don't have comic book equivalents. He was just listed as Nathanson, but I could swear she said Nathan Nathanson and, and, (laughs) and which if it's true is amazing. And it's just it, like the way she said it, whether or not she said his f- full name, it was so much like a mom. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Nathan, Nathanson, you, it's not your job to do that or whatever. Like, it was just so great. It's just like, like oh, I think yeah. she says that they have more reason to be there than he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's totally in mom mode, which will make sense in a second because we, f- we find out that Gemma is now, what is it? Advisor of like science and technology to the director. So she has like a very like high up role now. She's basically the shield. If, if the director is the principal, which we all know Coulson used to be the principal, mm-hmm. uh, but she is like the vice principal of science instead of yeah. like, like discipline or whatever. Like if she yeah. is a high school, which fits his outrage because before they were co-department heads and now mm-hmm. <laughs> he has to work under his girlfriend. And he's not really outraged, but it, there's, but there's like a, 
a division now. Yeah. Like distance a, there. There is. Um, and May has a problem with this too, which we'll talk about in a minute. Is it this episode? Yeah, I think it's this episode. We talk about that. Um, or we will talk about that. Um, and Colson comment or Colson or Mac, they comment, they're like, Oh, there's so many new people. And it's like, there really is like that, like the, whatever is going on with the new director and like all of this new, like hierarchy within leadership, like there's a lot of new people involved now in shield. It's not just our team. This is a different shield. Um, they've, they've tripled the extras in the background of the base. They really have. <laughs> um, and so, uh, um, I forget, like Fitz asks if they, oh no, um, they come in and they're like, oh, we have to go, or, you know, wheels up in 10, we have to go to LA on a mission. And Fitz is like, okay, so you're here on business. So here's the exploding pen you asked for, Mac. And everyone's like, why did you want that? And he's like, what? Like, you've never wanted one? (laughs) 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 And Coulson gets a new hand with some new tack. And Fitz is like, oh, the, like, the, um, the user manual is in the hand. It'll pop up. (laughs) when you need it and then Fitz invites them to go watch watch football aka soccer with him and Radcliffe and no one can go because they're on mission and then Simmons has a meeting with the director and he's very sad because no one will hang out with him (laughs) everyone is too busy it's just the the two Scottish buddies are all I know the only people who can hang out I know it also made me think of of uh, Hunter because yeah Hunter too. would go go to watch the football game with him. oh yeah he'd be like fuck off everybody <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go watch football um and be super British <laughs> like um and we get a, a glimpse of Daisy using her hacker skills for the first time this season looking up shit to find the writer as they call him I mean, we have to infer <laughs> that she's hacking all the time to keep buying these new outfits from Hot Topic every yes, hour. Yes, because where is she getting her money? <laughs> like, right. oh, shopping banks, that's right. <laughs> but I'm sure she's hacking into their security systems. But it's good to see her hacking skills are still fresh. Um, and so we go um, to this garage and we don't see the guy's face, but it is the writer. And he's he has this the white Aryan dude chained up against the wall and he's interrogating him. And apparently um, the Aryan Brotherhood are working with the Chinese, which is unusual. And they stole a truck full of something. And then we don't we don't get to see the, the end of this until later because uh, we go to um the I don't know is it the Zephyr? Yeah, we go to the Zephyr, and Colson says he's called in a an inhuman asset, and it's Yo-Yo. So they land in LA, and um, apparently Yo-Yo has to do these check-ins because it's part of the Sokovia Accord. So they are there for her uh, periodic check-in, and Mac is like asking her all of these like protocol questions that he has to ask her, and Yo-Yo's like trying to flirt with him, and he's kind of like, "Oh no, I can't! Like it's against policy," and she's like, "Oh." <laughs> Ever. And she's like getting all like touchy feely, and he hit the look on his face is like, oh my god, what am I, what's happening? And Bro, then he's <laughs> so flustered. Like, 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 it's very, it's a really good scene because like the stuff she says is great because like it's all like like she goes in knowing already that he wants to talk about Daisy and that's why she's there. But she kind of plays dumb. It feels like the whole mm-hmm. time, like basically just getting him to admit it, but also using it as an opportunity to flirt with him and point out. That she knows that he wants to check in on her too, and he knows, you know, that they have gone. Like she mentions that they've gone out, which I don't think or ever he, happened. He's asked her out. Yeah, it yeah. seems it, it seems like maybe they went. It seemed like maybe they went out to dinner, and mm-hmm. like, either way, it's just she is like very much like, hey man, even if we're not allowed to date, you know, 
we could still I'm down get for down. fun. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. she's like, I, I, like I really like you, and I know you like me. Like, yeah, like, she's like, 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 I'm going to Miami. If you're in Miami, hit me up. We can have some fun. Like, you know, like, we can't work together. It's like, oh, it was great. And I think my favorite part of it was like you, like you said, like the the way his like kind of subtle. I feel like like face facial you know expressions were and just his like his posture right before colson pops in it's like he's afraid there's like like oh no like 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 he's he thinks he's in the middle of the shield uh you know porno parody or whatever right like wait wait this isn't supposed to happen and then colson pops his head and it feels like the way colson even said it because because as they leave like he doesn't even acknowledge you. I know. It's like, hi, Colson. Like, I- as they're walking out, like, and she's she's just she's on point. This whole scene, she's really really funny. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like that whole exchange, like like that, it, it, that highlighted to me that Colson was like popping his head in at that time because he walked in a little too late and like he had to be blunt. Like it's like, hey, we gotta go. Yeah. Like, he, he, he so like everybody is uncomfortable. Yeah, right. everybody's uncomfortable. <laughs> Right, Colson didn't say hi because he didn't want to be like, "Hi, you guys are flirting." <laughs> You're about to get down in this room right now. No problem. <laughs> yeah, we have a new boss, guys. Like, I'm not in charge anymore. You know, I just closed the door, but <laughs> <laughs> new boss doesn't like it. Oh my god. Oh, it was great. It just this is definitely like a different kind of season. It's great. I love it. Um. And so we go to Radcliffe's house, which is very nice. And Fitz shows up to watch football. And Radcliffe's like, where's Gemma? Where's everybody else? And Fitz is like, they're busy. It's just going to be me. Um, and <laughs> it seems like they've been spending a lot of time together because everybody else is so busy. So maybe, you know, maybe it's not such a good thing that they're spending so much time together. Someone else should have paid attention to what Fitz was doing. <laughs> and then Fitz is like eating something. And he's like talking to Radcliffe, who's in the other room. And this naked woman walks in and starts like talking. It's clear that it's 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 the 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 robot lady that from the end of of season three and Fitz is like horrified he like covers his face he's like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry <laughs> like I didn't know you were here and <laughs> thinking it's like a real person um, he's so confused but she just keeps it, starting to say the same thing cutting yeah out. and she's like butt naked just like standing there in front of him and he's like uh i don't know where, where to look i don't know what to say and then uh Radcliffe walks in and he's like oh she's malfunctioning and he like turns her off and puts a robe over her and fitz is like what the fuck is this <laughs> and um Radcliffe is like oh this is ada you know ada like my you know voice in my computer like this i made a body for her and fitz is like yeah you made a naked body for her and <laughs> Radcliffe's like i'm not some kind of some kind of sicko like it's you know i'm trying to make her as real as possible possible and apparently part of Radcliffe getting pardoned from his crimes was that he is not allowed to experiment without permission from shield and so Radcliffe wants Fitz's help with this and Fitz is like no we have to report everything so you don't get into trouble like you go you could get killed you could go back to prison like this is really bad but Fitz is like his reaction is so strong to this it's a little weird considering that he's like the tech guy he it seems like he should be fascinated with it but this naked woman is making him very uncomfortable <laughs> everybody's so uncomfortable well and I, I i can't help but wonder if it's because like i was thinking about that too while watching it and, and it made me wonder if it's because of like the the whole post-human weird thing like when they met radcliffe because he knows radcliffe has a tendency to like push envelopes and like you know, at least in sci-fi, there's this like fear of the singularity and of robots mm-hmm. taking over. And I feel like on some level for him, it's like 
he likes Radcliffe, but he knows he's capable of creating Skynet because he just likes to poke at stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, it's weird because like for some of these, you know, for some, some sci-fi mad scientists, they're straight up villains. They want mm-hmm. power. They want control. For some, they want some sort of weird twisted form of like progress or whatever. Like, oh, I need to surrender to the AI inevitability, so I'm going to help them take over. Like, But like for Radcliffe, it literally is just fucking around. It's like, I'm a genius and this is super interesting to me. So I'm yeah. gonna keep fucking around with the laws of physics until I break them. <laughs> yeah. it's like, like, like no, and I feel like that sort of fits his reaction. It's just like it's like a a friend of a bad kid. Yeah, <laughs> like, they have all the like, same interests. He's just like, I really don't think we should be poking this hornet's nest. And he's like, but how will I know what happens if I don't keep poking <laughs> the hornet's nest? At first, I totally thought that Fitz was going to think that this was like some kind of sex robot. And so that was like where he was going with it. It's a naked body. Like, and then. Oh, on some <laughs> level with Radcliffe, I think that's a fear too. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, I just walked out and Radcliffe tuning up his sex robot. <laughs> Sorry, she's malfunctioning. Oh, oh I'm sure that has to be with just how timid he is. I went oh, straight yeah. for like the sci fi Philip K. Dick angle, but I feel like. Fitz is both those guys. He is, yep. <laughs> he's the awkward teenager and the sci-fi guy. Like so, he's definitely had both those thoughts. Yep, for sure. Oh, it's <laughs> very good. Uh, um, so in the next scene, Daisy gets on Jared's LA Metro bus, the orange line. That's right. <laughs> and God help her, LA Metro. Ugh. Um, and Yo-Yo is in the seat behind her there to chat. So obviously they've done this before. She Yo-Yo gives her the rapid bone healing pills that S.H.I.E.L.D. has because apparently she's like hurting herself, using her powers. I didn't realize that she was taking those of like pretty much all of season three. Like, or was she wearing the bracer? I don't know. But now she needs them again, apparently. Um, it seemed like <laughs> from comments that we get from, uh, from Mac later on, right? That I thought, oh no, or from... Uh, from Quake in this episode, from Yo-Yo, she says something. Or, or, or she, says, she, she says something to to Quake about like how she knows she's running low, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, it made me feel like maybe either the bracers or just something that she was giving her regularly was what like, kept her okay. Yeah, like. I guess maybe I can't remember if this is. Although doesn't that feel counter to what like Lincoln was saying and what Jayan yeah. said? Like, like the, eventually she'd find balance. But I guess Maybe. she does specifically say like you're overdoing it. Not you should not you can't yeah. use your balance at all, but you're pushing yourself too hard. Maybe this is her way or like the show's way of telling us that she is unbalanced in what her objective is here and what she's um, been doing. She's not working for the overal balanced ecosystem nonsense <laughs> that uh, Lincoln. <laughs> Was into oh, it's gibberish. Any chance to hit on like, and I will. Yep, grab yep. It. Even in season four. Um, oh, excuse me, sorry. Um, so Yo Yo starts talking about the team, and she's like, you know, um, they're not going to give up on you, especially Coulson. And she's like, well, that's too bad because I don't want them anywhere near me. And um, and Elena's like, you know, everybody, what is it? Everybody has something to that. Uh, God, what is the line? I didn't write it down. Why didn't I write it down? Because it's brought up like three more times in this episode. Everybody has something that you know they're attached to, or something like that. And then yeah, Every, everybody has something to hold on to. I something like that. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> she literally says the line like four times in this episode, and I didn't write it down. She says. She, she, it's his brother. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so she's like, yeah. Well, that's the point. I don't want that. Like, she 
pushing everybody away so that she can essentially, you know, kind of protect them. She's doing the whole like, oh, I got to push you away to protect you type of thing. Or I deserve this. And she's just this what Lincoln did in the first part of the last season. Oh, God. It's like she's, well, she's like she's like as a tribute to her dead boyfriend. She's acting like him when he was a douche. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least she's being productive about it. Like he was just off being a douche. Like that's true. He was she's like hiding. hunting people down and doing the right thing. Like, oh, you're right. He was purely martyring himself. She is a little bit, but she's actually doing good good things too yeah. he was just being an asshole she's being like a little bit of like some sort of inhuman joan of arc sort of yeah right <laughs> still here still a goth, goth yes. inhuman joan of arc <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's almost what they had the subtitles for the season oh, <laughs> it was yeah. like the framework and ghost rider or whatever like that was almost <laughs> <laughs> almost that one oh god inhuman joan of arc <laughs> colon agents of shield you know, <laughs> you, you got to start somewhere in the, I, I in, the, in the writer's room. What should we give Daisy's look? You know, Daisy's look changes every season. What, kind of what should we give her this season? <laughs> right. The uh, right writer was on mushrooms and that's oh where we landed. <laughs> they're just, they're just someone's daughter board. was like going through like a dark phase or something like that. And they're all like. I could take inspiration from that. I was just thinking they have a bunch of different descriptors and words up on a on a on like a <laughs> cork board and a dart, and they're just like, yeah. "God, inhuman." Joan of Arc, who put that up there? <laughs> Wait, hmm, that works. <laughs> like, maybe we can get somewhere with this. If we named our episode titles, it would definitely be Goth and Human Joan of Arc. That is excellent. Yeah, <laughs> or everyone's uncomfortable. <laughs> That's Colson's way. I know. Um, So we go back to the base and Simmons is bringing May some tech and May has to sign for it. And she's like, they're they're commenting. She starts commenting. There's this like color coded spectrum of hierarchy. So like Simmons is like level orange and May is level red. And May is like, well, how come I have to like sign something for you, a level orange? Like, shouldn't I be higher up? And and Simmons is like, well, I'm higher than you. And there's like very much. I guess, and it's funny because Simmons is like, yeah, the new director, you know, he decided to do away with all the number levels and we're doing color so nobody feels less than. And May is like, well, I feel less than. <laughs> and May seems very cold uh, with Simmons over her relationship to the director because obviously Simmons is pretty close to him. And it's like, mm, okay, where's your loyalty, girl? It's very interesting. Um, and uh, Daisy, meanwhile, is in East LA and there's this guy tagging. Um, a mural of something it's a ghostwriter huh? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like does anybody know where to find him like where can i find him and he's like nobody knows and um it's funny because like they pan back and and so you could see the whole mural and then the, the mural next to it is like this giant cat head <laughs> and i was like that's perfect that's that's my jam cat and ghostwriter um and uh colson meanwhile show up to uh the truck it's like the I don't know where they're at they're at the the shop that robbie works at because robbie's there which we don't know who that is yet but we do <laughs> and he's played by gabriel luna um and so colson and mac are kind of checking it out and apparently colson's new hand has x-ray vision so he's like looking on the inside of the truck and mac is like that's fucking cool and colson's like oh you want tech like this you should have cut your own hand off <laughs> <laughs> Which is insane. I know. <laughs> but it's funny because he's so salty about it still. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, I, I feel like it's 
that's one where they don't it's not pushed quite like they're never mocking the disability so i feel like it's never hateful but like they they toe that line <laughs> with yeah. because it is it is about like you said, it's it's about him having had a friend do it to him. <laughs> cut yeah, off his like arm. He, he has the fucking axe that cut his arm off. That Matt cut his arm off. Like we don't know where he has it now. Maybe it's somewhere. <laughs> it's in his. It's in his bunk. <laughs> but I appreciate even with like the sci-fi superpower aspect and the fact that it is something that, like can look very incognito for the purposes of their show. But they always. They, they 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 do emphasize that it is a prosthesis and that he is something that he lives with. But like I like that they don't shy away from that. Yeah, they're, they're, it's it's got a pseudo realistic aspect, even though it's uh, yeah, even though they're pulling the sci fi like oh you know instead of like really having someone live with a disability, it's like giving them like oh an arm that's even better than having yeah, your own hand. <laughs> like it's it's, o- it's always like a prosthetic like super robot pocket knife like swiss yeah. army knife <laughs> like, it's like oh i can do anything now because mm-hmm. i got my arm cut off like, like and like he said like he, he he almost acknowledges that it's got cool aspects but also but it's the reality but it's tra- traumatic like yeah like, it's like <laughs> it's not in the star wars world there's really no reason why someone wouldn't go you know uh general grievous <laughs> you know right. because there's some advantages to it but yeah you know, it, colson still lives in a pseudo-realistic world is like yeah well i also lost my freaking hands so. yeah <laughs> uh, i just love that he keeps bringing it up no so it, they often, do a good and mac job. is like all right can't say anything to that you're you know you got me there <laughs> um so anyway they open up the back of the truck or no in the with his x-ray vision they see like bodies <laughs> on the bottom of the truck or at the on the floor of the truck and so they open up the back there's blood all over the walls and there's these like chinese kids that are like on the floor and colson pulls out his wallet he has a chinese name and they see this like infinity symbol on his jumpsuit he has like a like an industrial jumpsuit on and so they're like hmm, what's this so um it turns out that it's a a a symbol for a company. So they're going to go check that out. Um, meanwhile, Ghost Rider comes back to his um, his garage somewhere and he's still talking to the Aryan Brotherhood dude. And um, it's, it's Robbie, obviously. We know that they are the same person now. And Robbie gets in his car and he the car f- turns into flames and then he smashes the dude with the car against the wall, which is fucking brutal and crazy. <laughs> It's so violent, but it's pretty rare. (laughs) Yeah. And he has this line of like, or the guy's like, I don't deserve to die. And he's like, yes, you do. (laughs) No, and he's doing it to Nazis. So it's really hard to argue. You know, it's like, I know, but it it was super brutal all the same. So anyway, now we know that Rob works at this shop and blah, blah, blah. And and we've praised the special effects on this before. Like the first time on the show, we mentioned that he was coming. and, And even on this episode, I think. But I think that in addition to them looking really cool, they do a good job. Uh, and I think I think we mentioned it a couple times in season three, but like of showing something brutal without being like graphic or indulgent. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell that it's awful, <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's over pretty quick and there's no like blood or guts. Like it's just like, yeah. oh no, it happens. It shows, it shows you it's happening. He's in pain and then it's over. Yeah. Even at the beginning of the episode, like instead of showing him uh, like eviscerating like the dude at the car chase scene, like you just see like the blood spatter everywhere. And even like the dudes in the truck, like there's a lot of violence going on in this episode, but it's just like the aftermath of violence, it seems like, or the the foremath. I don't know what the opposite <laughs> is. Yeah, pre- prelude, is it? Prelude? I guess so. 
But, uh, yeah, but yeah, before math. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you do before math. This is the, uh, <laughs> so like a stone junior high kid thought, oh, is that what after math comes from? <laughs> it was just what someone was doing pre, after math class. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to put that in the rotation of weird things that Jess says. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I was going to say, I feel like this is one of the more violent arcs, maybe, I guess, mm-hmm. or aspects of the show. Yeah. It, they're really like, Lash, it's the most violent, right? But it's they're not- really playing up how violent he is, like to show us like this guy is like, don't fucking mess with him. And- I just can't, can't believe how well they pull it off on a network TV show like yeah. like it's just really effective like it's like it and i think maybe i think they might have been out, out the same year or around, or maybe the, it was the next year was uh fox's uh exorcist uh, network TV show it was very mm-hmm. similar like they were able to pull off like horror tropes and a horror movie vibe without ever getting to the level where you'd be like oh we can't put this on regular TV yeah. like, like they'll never let us i almost like, think it, that like that that way of filming where you actually don't see what's happening is more effective because like your imagination, whatever the most horrible thing that you could see like happening in that moment is what you see versus like what they like tell you to see. And so like, you're like, Oh shit, all that blood just sprayed all over the place. He must've done something really crazy. Like (laughs) I a hundred percent, I a hundred percent agree. Like, like it's always scarier to fill in the blanks because too, Mm -hmm. it's like, even if what you think isn't as scary or as, as viscerally like like horrifying as what they could have put put up visually, like I think for most people, unless you have a really crappy imagination, you don't just think of one thing. You yeah. think of several terrifying things. Yeah. <laughs> like that that's that's gonna have a multiplying effect. It's like, oh shit. I thought yeah. of eight ways you could get that blood spatter from a, a crazy slash of a flaming chain. Right. <laughs> oh, like like, like oh like, flaming skull dude. <laughs> yeah, and they could have shown something that would have been awful for sure, but it's just it's quick, but it's also like if you don't know if you don't know what's going on, if you're not like a little kid, but if you're a, a younger viewer. Uh, are on the younger side of someone who's watching it and you don't think about stuff like that in those terms yet it's just going to be what's it presented on the screen you're just going to know ooh, something awful happened and if you do think about it it's going to be more enjoyable and terrifying like i think yeah yeah absolutely even with the car thing like we don't need to see him smash the dude like we know he's that's what he's going to do like (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty obvious like how indulgent do they need to be right Right? i'm sure like some of it's a balance of saving money on special effects and time but they really it's all done very deftly they do a good job yeah Yeah. it's just effective storytelling and 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 filmmaking like you don't have to i just like i don't care like violence on tv whatever like i'm fine with it but honestly like i feel like this is for me and a more effective way to show that type of violence is by not showing it really just like showing what leads up to it is like, I don't know, like you said, what's scary and like, you know, haunting to me is, you know, going to be different for somebody else. So I might be like, Oh, that's lame. And someone else is horrified by it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I don't know, just, just leave it a, you know, filling in the blanks for everybody. I feel like is super effective. Um, Where am I? Uh, oh, so Daisy um, is somewhere in L.A. It looks like she's at uh, MacArthur Park, actually. 
Um, and she's chatting with this like Chicano dude looking for Ghost Rider's car. So she's like, oh, have you seen this Dodge Charger? And he's like, she's, she makes up this story about how her boyfriend it got smashed. Her boyfriend's car got smashed up and she's looking for parts to help get it fixed. And he's like, oh, there's this junkyard in El Monte that you might be able to find parts at. Um, that's like the only place in the city like where you would find something like that. And so she's like, sweet, cool, go in there. Even though I'm like, there's only one junkyard in the entire like Los Angeles metropolitan area that carries parts for a 69 Dodge Charger. Okay. <laughs> like- the only way that exchange could have gone more down like it was something on Law & Order would be if he was moving boxes in and out or like a truck. Right? <laughs> like, he's just like, oh. That thing you need? Oh, let me see. I might be able to help you. Here's the exact specific details you need. Yeah. It's so funny, too. Like, the dude who's, like, like uh, tagging the wall, too. Like, she just randomly <laughs> comes up, and he just happens to know something about... Well, I mean, he is tagging. He's, like, making a mural of him. But still, it's just like, how do you... How did she find this dude, like, of all the streets in well, no, and, East LA? <laughs> and he's doing the Ghost Rider art, and he knows where to get the parts for that specific car. He, like, 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 he answers yeah. both of her questions, like, with his own... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like knowing details about the Ghost Rider when when he's painting that makes sense. But it's like, oh hey, while we're on the topic of the Ghost Rider, would you happen yeah. to know about a car that I think might have something to do with him? <laughs> oh yes, of course. Like, yeah. I'm his biggest fan. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's very, so, very I know where convenient. he gets his car tuned up at. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're really good friends. <laughs> so weird. So weird. No, but, I mean it's just uh, it's that's a TV plot convenience, yeah. which. The more and more I see people complaining about that stuff, it makes me just wonder, like, what movies have you ever seen that flow like? Like, that's the thing. Amazing things don't really happen. <laughs> like, like, even like, I feel like the subtext is that it took her like two days to find that one person that like could tell her that information. They're showing us that because <laughs> yeah, that's she boring. Asked a bunch of people who weren't <laughs> painting Ghost Rider murals, but this was the one she was excited about. So it's that's what they shared. Yeah. Have you have you seen the guy with the flaming skull? Like, do you know where I can find him? Like. <laughs> Dude, painting a mural it's a bunch of people giving her weird looks instead <laughs> yeah no yeah. that's <laughs> but that's boring why would they show that like <laughs> no for sure when i always think like like when they complain about plot convenience i mean you for, for one you're absolutely right like they don't show the stuff that's a failure because why would anyone show that it's just a waste of time unless there's something interesting going on on you know underneath or with other characters yeah <laughs> but like it, it just even if you are a soldier or a spy or a cop, like your life is for the most part, not actually exciting. Like, yeah. That's like, like the, the plot conveniences and the weird that would never happen. That's what makes it a fun story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, Those are all the things mm-hmm. that make the stories happen. Yeah. Like, and it's so funny to think about, like, it's like, why were they even in this location in that location? Like in the original star Wars or whatever, it's yeah. like, who gives a shit? Like, like someone like, wrote it to be like that. <laughs> yeah. It was like, well, why didn't they just make the really obvious, easy choice? Well, like for one, they're living it. Like in mm-hmm. real life, that's not always easy. And for two, like you say, like, like, because we need things to happen. <laughs> like, like, we we have a time limit. <laughs> like this episode is only 49. To gotta hurry up. <laughs> exactly. No, we gotta get to, we gotta get to Ghost Rider. So right? we're, we're going to cut all those scenes where, uh, you know, she, Daisy asked old ladies. And, and, <laughs> have and, you seen this man? <laughs> and a confused tourist. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, what would be the point? It's like, oh, I'm from, from here. Yeah. It's just some guy who repeatedly is like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I just got to yeah. <laughs> like, Oh my God. Um, so we go back to the base and Simmons 
Jones comes up and confronts May about all of these weird coincidences around Daisy's appearance in L.A. So Yo-Yo's check-in just happened to be in L.A. And now Coulson's trip is in L.A. And she's like, I know what's going on. And she's like, how come you guys didn't tell me? And May's like, well, you know, you have to take lie detector. So apparently she has to take lie detector tests, lie detector tests every day. Um because of her position? I'm not sure, but that's crazy. It's, you know, something to do with like all of the red tape and the bureaucracy and the new shield. And she's like, yeah, and now I have to take that test and I'm going to fail it. So I have to tell the director like what's going on and it's, it's not going to be great. So we find out that the director broke up the team. And so, you know, cause May kind of calls her on it. She's like, well, what the fuck? Like you're the one who is so close to him. Like that's on you. And um, Simmons has been clawing her way up the ladder to get on the director's good side so that they're not completely in the dark. So she has some control over what's happening on this base and that she knows what's going on because no one else knows what's going on. Everything is classified. And Simmons is kind of chastising May, which is a little weird. It's really un- kind of uncomfortable to see May in this position, but she is definitely like subordinate to Simmons at this point. Um, and Simmons is like, okay, I need you and your team to bring Colson and Mac out of the field. That's an order. And it's like, oh shit. <laughs> it was weird. I don't it's know if super I like it. Weird. No, it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't really feel like it, it feels like underneath it all. Maybe Gemma knows it feels super uncomfortable, but she's mm-hmm. also just like really focused on like, she, she, she's just focused on getting stuff done. I think to maintain, the best possible like image with the new director because she mm-hmm. because she is trying to ensure that she is on his best side and it does feel like it's out of concern for not just herself and and Fitz but for you know Colson and May and everybody else mm-hmm. but it's just like it's like she's so focused on that goal she's not maybe realizing like how who she's hurting in her yeah path. <laughs> and, just, and just how she's how she's become and who she's yeah. who she's who she's becoming yeah yeah it's it's kind of sad. <laughs> Um, and I don't really remember how that resolves, so I'm excited to see where this goes. Because <laughs> um, May isn't the only one that's going to start keeping things from Simmons, which is kind of sad. Um, so uh, we go back to that weird infinity symbol that we saw on the dude's jumpsuit. So Coulson and Mac are infiltrating this this company warehouse that has this symbol. And I don't remember the name of the company. I don't think it's important. Um, but Momentum, I think? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so they have a team, you know, getting surveillance up and running. Um, and um, they're still tracking that truck, I guess. No, they're tracking uh, whatever. I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not important to the story. Um, it isn't. <laughs> it really isn't. Um, so we go back to to Radcliffe's house and Fitz is like, Radcliffe starts talking about how, you know, this isn't AI. Ada is not AI because like, and Fitz is like, yeah, because Ultron. And he's like, yeah, I know Ultron was really bad, but this is, this is different. It's not AI. And she's basically a mimic of human behavior. And Fitz is like, why did you make her? Like, what is her purpose? And so Radcliffe's like, well, let, you know, why don't you ask her yourself? And so he turns her on and, um, you know, she comes up to Fitz and she looks very, you know, she, she's almost human. Like she's a little bit too stiff to be completely, to be able to completely like mimic human behavior. So she, you know, she introduces herself like, oh, hi, Leopold, we've been expecting you. Like, it's so good to see you. And like, oh, where's Gemma? Like what, she couldn't make it, you know, like making small talk and, um, and, and Fitz asks her, like, what, what what are you here for? Like, why why are you here? And she has this story about how 
Dr. Radcliffe has, you know, seen Fitz and his fellow agents have to go through so much pain in losing their partners and their counterparts, you know, as agents. And she starts listing off the names of the people that died. And Fitz is like, okay, you don't need to list them off. And she says that Radcliffe wanted to prevent this pain and prevent agents' deaths. So Ada is supposed to be this decoy target. She's supposed to step in to save lives. She is a shield, which is really kind of sweet it's like coming from a really good place and Fitz is like we can't tell Simmons about this <laughs> and Radcliffe's like what <laughs> and basically they don't trust the new director and he's like he can't know until she's perfect and I put a note in here because Earl I think when he first saw her like Radcliffe called Ada it and Fitz is like no she like this is you know he's really Fitz is really humanizing her, calling her she. And just like the way he looks at her is like a really pained expression, but also like this. I I don't even know how to describe the expression on his face, but it's complicated. Like it's like he wants to free her. Like, yes, it's bizarre. (laughs) And it's almost like it just feels very much like he's just instantly turning into Geppetto where Mm -hmm. it's just like. Like, no, I know there's a real person in there. I just gotta help them get out. Like and he's gonna yeah. use he's gonna use yeah. his science instead of magic. And it's gross because it's I don't think there's anything skeevy on any level at this point. Like we know what it turns into, the yeah. spoilers and the for for the framework stuff, but at the same time, I feel like the weird weirdest part of it for me is he is like sublimating his loneliness yeah. from but not ju- not exclusively from Gemma not being as available. It's mm-hmm. just that that's definitely going to be the majority of it. So I think that in knowing where it goes in the simulation, yeah. I think that's makes it feel skeevy. But yeah. I think it's really just loneliness. It's like right yeah. now he has one friend. He went from having a bunch of friends and family and shield. Yeah. And now he has all of them are coworkers who he loves and who love him, but who he doesn't have any time to spend time with. And, you know, yeah. it's only like meaningful relationship is with the kook who's making this robot. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. But now he's going to use this, like, I'm going to humanize her. And then then Radcliffe and I will have our own little weird family. Yeah. And, it's like, and he's not thinking this, but, like, emotionally sure it makes sense. Yeah. Um, also, it, uh, it really, like, because obviously if you're watching this, hopefully you – spoiler alert. The second, yeah, half of stuff season, <laughs> the second half of the season is a wild ride and Fitz ends up with Ada, like as the a partner <laughs> in, the matri- in the framework as his, his romantic partner. So it's interesting to me that this was already being teased that possibly Fitz is trying to have this emotional connection with this robot. In, in you know, he's already, as soon as he sees her, he's humanizing her. He's yeah, like even when it's long. This- yeah. Long before it's a romantic, even when it's a romantic, it's still an attachment being formed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just very. I just like. I didn't. I didn't see that the first time I saw the first time I watched this season. Obviously, because I didn't know that was going to happen. But like rewatching it, it's like wow, this was building for, like this. Like you said, like his loneliness, like the fact that he is trying to fill a void in his life is like this is where that came from <laughs> like it's well, and, crazy and it's because she writing. knows because she knows their minds so well when she's running the framework for again in the spoilers territory i feel like it's, that's why they're placed together is because like mm-hmm. she knew he had this void she had this affection for him because he's her creator mm-hmm. and the, again the majority of that void was uh emotional because she doesn't just fill it with herself she also replaces his dad like Mm -hmm. there's all sorts Mm -hmm. of stuff that 
she's doing to try to make him, I think, as happy, happy as, as, yeah. he, as he could be. And one of those things was to replace Gemma, unfortunately, because he feels he feels, I think, more shut out than she's intending for sure. And she's probably he probably feels it worse than it is. And she's probably being more absent than she realizes, even though it is for noble reasons. It's, it's really, it's, it's knowing where it goes. It you're like, like you said earlier, like it just does a really good job of setting up a lot of emotional beats that like reverberate through the rest of the series. It seems like. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. Radcliffe's reaction to fit saying we can't tell Gemma. He's like shocked. He's like, we're not going to tell Gemma. Like you and Gemma are like, so tight like this is crazy you know but obviously like because of her new position like it's not safe to tell her and so like we already start down this road of him like keeping things from her and like it's like putting kind of a wedge in their relationship and we as viewers know that Fitz knows probably better than we do because we saw the one instance of Gemma on the show being like oh now I have to tell the director Mm -hmm. you know what we said to to, to May and I think similarly how many times has that had had already happened in their personal life, yeah. like him and Gemma? Mm-hmm. So, so I feel like because of them being together, he probably learned very quickly because they've always been very copacetic and and mm-hmm. symbiotic and whatnot. He's probably like, okay, I get it. I I can't always tell you stuff that you wouldn't want to know. Yeah. And but Radcliffe, there's no way if he's like you know on leave from Sheila, like under supervision, but not actually a contracted employee right now or whatever. Like, like, like if he's at arm's length, arm, arm's length from everyone and everything because of his past, mm-hmm. then it makes perfect sense that he's distant enough. He doesn't realize that people are keeping things intentionally from yeah. her. You know, he doesn't realize that their dynamic might not be quite as symbiotic and is and is simultaneous and sharing everything as it used to be the, yeah, this is the first true. time maybe we can really think of them not as Fitzsimmons and yeah because of that promotion like in a weird way it sucks because like it's not because she's ahead of him but it's because that she had to put up a wall yeah absolutely I think it's very interesting that they are not keeping Radcliffe busy with something shield related. They should it seems be right. Like, it would it stop like this from happening. He had too much free time and he created Ada. Like great this. point. <laughs> Why aren't they having him make new robot arms for Colson every day? Like just right. every day for every occasion. <laughs> robot arms for everyone. <laughs> Oh my god! Like, dude, keep the crazy inventor. Yeah, they really. So he's is, not using his brain for like bad, you know, not ill-intentioned things, but just things that could go wrong. <laughs> well, because that's there's an old Pat Oswalt, the Shield relevant. Thank goodness <laughs> we're yeah. keeping all of our diversion somewhat relevant. Too. Uh, there's an old bit routine he had. I can't remember what science thing he was afraid of it wasn't it, it, it might have been biological it might have been a weapon but it was basically that science is all about could you know could we all about coulda not about shoulda <laughs> like you yeah. never ask should we have done that it's always could we do that and i feel like radcliffe just epitomizes that it's never answering a need or mm-hmm. trying to solve well, a solution I feel like- in this case, he was answering a need. He like didn't he was he didn't want to see Fitz be sad. You know what I mean? Like it's coming from a role like uh, like a good place, but eh. but it could have gone in any direction <laughs> other than literally 
surround it, but it's something that's so open-ended. And I think you're right that basically he's just wanted to come up with a group project they could do together. Yeah. But they should have just come up with the, with the perfect robot soccer player instead of trying to come up with it. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, something <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. tech related. They really should have kept him busy saying this was a really bad idea. No one saw this coming, really. Like the mad scientist I'm just, is just I'm just thinking a, a perfect robot soccer player with no artificial intelligence involved. Like he's just like remote operated. That could be a, a, an asset in the battlefield as well. You know, he's just right? kicking, kicking a soccer ball <laughs> at lightning speeds, dodging, uh, yeah. dodging people. And, and right. oh my God. Um, this episode is almost over. So let's get off the rails. Um, so Colson and Mac are still at this warehouse and a, a bunch of these like really fancy Mercedes cars pull up and it's the Chinese gang. And so, um, they go into the warehouse and the two guys that like are in there that are wearing the same jumpsuits that the dead guys are wearing are like the, the boss guys. Like what the fuck happened? Like where are the other guys? And they're like, uh, I guess they saw something in the truck and they went fucking crazy. So we killed them <laughs> because they were trying to kill each other. What seems like a great solution. Like these dudes are going crazy. Let's just shoot them. Great. Um, very gang. Um, and the boss is like, and you just left the bodies there. You guys are dumb. And so they start beating them. And um, Colson's kind of like Colson and Mac are watching this and they're like, oh, what's happening? And he's like, well, let's just let this play out. Let's see who else shows up. <laughs> and then we get this really great scene that is a parallel to Daisy's opening scene of her getting dressed where Ghost Rider is like getting ready to go. He has the same like zip up motion of his jacket. We see what's sitting on his desk and God, just the season is so good. <laughs> like it just, this episode in particular is very good, but this season in general is just really great. And I love the parallel between the two of them and we'll get more of that in the next episode too. Um, so he goes, uh, he's at work and, um, Daisy shows up at his, um, at his shop to chat and she's like, Oh, it's nighttime too. So it's a little weird. And, um, she's like, Oh, I'm just looking for like some car parts and blah, blah, blah. I think my boyfriend bought them through here and he's kind of dismissive at first. And then he's kind of like, well, there's a book of sales that we could take a look at in the office. <laughs> and so he kind of leads her over there. Um, back at the warehouse, the Chinese dudes open up this crate that was in the truck that made the other dudes go crazy. And this weird substance shoots out and enters their bodies. It's like this, like, I don't, I don't know. Anyway. And the, a ghost appears, which that's why this, the title of this episode is called the ghost. And the guy starts hallucinating. He starts seeing as the other guys as like these, like, you know, black eyed, like demon ghost looking dudes. And he gets all freaked out. It's like, it's like they're all, it's like he's all of a sudden everyone he sees is through an Instagram, like the ring filter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, for sure. And so now we kind of understand why the other dudes tore each other apart. And Mac is like, oh, we should probably call for backup. This is weird. Um, and Colson's like, yeah, these guys might kill somebody besides each other. And Mac is like, yeah, us. Let's call for backup. So he calls. But May is already on scene. She shows up. And I guess a dude was sneaking around the corner and she took him out. And she has some like Google Glass tech going on where she can like her and her team can like see everything. I don't know. It's weird. I guess that was whatever. Um, Gemma was bringing to her um, and May's team is very efficient. They get in and they get out. Everybody's dead or knocked out already. And then a ghost walks behind her. Oh no. <laughs> um, back at the shop, 
Robbie uh, starts threatening Daisy because he's starting to suspect that she's not there for car parts. And Daisy quakes him away and he his eyes go, you know, fiery. And he's like, oh, so you have the devil inside you, too, which and then he turns into Ghost Rider. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, you don't get to decide who deserves to die. And he says, I'm not the one who decides. And oh, my God, he looks so freaking good. Like we rave Special about effects are oh. nuts. Like, yeah. It's so good. It's better than the movies, man. And that's mm-hmm. stupid because the Sony movies didn't look bad. Like for the time, they looked great. And mm-hmm. like, it's just, it, it still shows- holds up like three years later with as fast as like, you know, CGI is moving. CGI technology is moving. Like this still holds up so well. It looks amazing. Well, and I think that's, that's pretty frequent these days for movies, but for TV, not the case. No, like, exactly. even, even big budget HBO shows a lot of the time, if they're five, three, four years old, like they don't look great. Yeah. Or at least not as good as they did then. Like, like, you know, like in Paris, like you said, like, like, but this is like this, there were some, there were scenes with our favorite person to hate on Lincoln where it looked like he was holding a rope light last season. Right. For the most part, (laughs) they looked pretty, for the most part, his powers were done pretty well, but there were occasionally scenes like that. Yeah. Whereas this looks like as good as the movie budget looking watchman on hbo right now mm-hmm. or his dark materials and that's mm-hmm. freaking impressive for an agent to shield episode we love this show but i can say without i think hyperbole that these special effects are up there with anything else that was on tv that year and probably probably today. even now yeah, yeah. it like, looks so good <laughs> i was like blown away by how good this still looks like i remembered it be- looking really good like and we've times on this episodes but i was like shit this looks so good and the music that's playing is like fucking amazing it just is like ghostwriter's theme music is so good so anyway they're having this like fight they're like throwing shit at each other they're knocking cars over and he knocks over the shelf as she's laying on the floor and she's like trying to quake the shelf away from her and he has this chance to kill her and she's like practically begging him to kill her she's like go ahead and do it do it like i don't care and he like looks at her and just walks away. So apparently she's not worthy of death, according to whoever is telling him to decide to decide to kill people. Whatever Which we know <laughs> is the devil. Yep. The devil, <laughs> the devil doesn't want uh, Daisy. Maybe yeah. he's racist against any humans. He's like, I already rejected you. I'm done. Your goth outfit is not is not on par. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Try try to actually be a legit goth. Maybe a little bit less of a poser, and maybe I'll take you. Yeah. Message to the devil. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you just bought that outfit today. That's oh the, that, that was what the devil told me. It's not lived in enough. Go go out and, and hunt no. some more people first, and, no and then, then maybe I'll choose you. <laughs> uh, go sharpie your shoes a little bit more. Um. If Robbie walked away and, and looked over his shoulder and said, no one's buying it, that would have been amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. I so wish he would have said that now. <laughs> I could have had double meeting for sure. <laughs> oh no, he totally could have. Like, like, like the the death wish, or mm-hmm. like. But at the same time, like that's sort of what her pseudo god thing is. Is her being like, my death wish? Can't you see? <laughs> like, I wonder what Chloe Bennett's reaction was to seeing like the costuming and makeup for the season. She, I could just imagine because she has a really funny sense of humor. Like, she does. She, I can imagine her having some very like smart and <sighs> smart ass things to say about the costuming. It might, it might be worth speaking of instagram filters and whatnot it might be worth back and seeing if she yeah well when, I, when i'm when i'm bored i'll take a look and i'll see 
anything. <laughs> now I'm just bummed out that she and Jeff Ward weren't screwing around being goofballs until the next season because they know. could have made funny jokes about it. <laughs> Oh my god. So we go to the Zephyr and this amazing music is playing. Bear McCreary is killing it and the Chinese dudes are like um, on gurneys on the plane and they're all knocked out. Fitz and Simmons are like getting into bed together and you know Fitz Simmons is like cuddling up to Fitz none the wiser that he is keeping this really crazy secret from her and he looks very disturbed that he's like I'm keeping something from Gemma. This is not great. Like <laughs> I, feel, I felt like it was like it was bittersweet because there was still something earnest and sweet even with him like while she was first starting to cuddle up but he does have like this weird expression <laughs> for a second and it's like when Fitz does bad stuff it reminds me of uh, Macaulay Culkin in Full House or not Full House uh, Home Alone uh, because, because when he's in that movie you know he's a sociopath basically but yeah. he's also like from his perspective it's totally reasonable because developmentally he's eight you know? yeah. it's like he's, it's like he's his home or whatever it's like he's playing a game but it's like in effect he's doing something evil and i feel like in a weird way maybe it's knowing everything that's coming and it's going to be drawn from the fits that's already there like yeah. pulled out of him it's like i know that he also is a sweet emotionally eight-year-old boy who yeah. is about to turn into a sociopath because of circumstances i know and it's like oh really God. sad because <laughs> like, he's oh. The, I don't know, man. The, this is like the beginning of the end for of Fitz as we it know is. him as and, sweet, wonderful Fitz. Like, and I feel like Framework Hydra are his wet bandits shaping him <laughs> into who I have to believe. If you guys, what I recommend this holiday season is everyone rewatch Home Alone and maybe Home Alone too. It's an optional, but then watch all the Saw movies because Saw, that guy in the mask, that's Kevin McAllister, <laughs> and it's all their fault. <laughs> it's because they, they really screwed him up, and when he was forming all of his value system, that he thought the best thing I could do is make people burn themselves in my torture house. <laughs> While I like impale them with walk through, shards walk through, of things, yeah, walk through nails and talk. Good lord, that the things right, that though, we the, the, movie, saw? <laughs> the <laughs> types of movies that they made for us when we were kids, like is is crazy. Like I look back at some of these, like the freaking Dark Crystal. That movie was fucking terrifying. Like I couldn't even finish it, and I was like, "This is for children." Like <laughs> Home Alone is insane. And, but, yeah. and, but those other movies, uh, like Dark Crystal or The Labyrinth, like the Henson. Henson yeah. was basically like, "I want kids to be scared of their imaginations because they're yeah. great, but damn, are they scary!" <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's like what? David Bowie kidnapping teenagers. I know. <laughs> I think of like Water ship down these like rabbits are being killed by cats and shit it's like dude that was like, what my dad recommended when i was really little oh too. my god he's like it's like it was one of his favorites when he was a kid and he i don't think he remembered like that movie was so traumatic for me story is. yeah i still remember being terrified of that movie and my parents were like this is great i'm like uh no i don't like it <laughs> don't, don't like it it's i don't scary. know if reading it first makes it worse or better sometimes that makes stuff that's scary less so but sometimes like I, again because yeah. your imagination yeah it's, it's the like same. the rat the rats of nim too is like fucking terrifying that owl like oh god and all the electricity i don't know uh, clearly i have issues still from childhood movies terrifying me um anyway <laughs> Our, our weird diversion. <laughs> I know. We um, were so on topic for all of them. Even that was so related, <laughs> but but Watership Down, Rats of Nim, and Labyrinth, and uh, I guess Home Alone kind of relates. Anyway, um, Ada is 
getting put into her closet that's behind this bookshelf and um yo-yo gets a text and it's a photo from daisy because she asked daisy like can you send me a picture of this guy and i can see if i can find him and so she sends her a picture of the wall art like here this is him the guy with the flaming skull yeah. and yo-yo's here's, kinda here's, like, the, huh? here's the graffiti mirror here's the graffiti <laughs> flaming skull that's the guy that guy <laughs> she's like, like oh okay i'll look for him no problem it could have been a photo of the guy from the don't walk sign <laughs> it's like, like a glowing red thing <laughs> like that guy oh my god so ridiculous um so robbie is standing like on the street corner somewhere and he's waiting for somebody and a car pulls up and he goes to the trunk and gets out a wheelchair and he picks up his brother out of the front seat and puts him in the wheelchair and he's like why are you getting rides from people like you know don't you usually take the bus and apparently he's like trying to flirt with some girl and it's just like a really cute exchange and meanwhile daisy is watching it all from her van and then we get this other point of view where it seems like somebody else is watching her like the very end is like from like another car is like watching her leave i don't know what that's about and i don't remember if that comes to fruition anywhere but end scene is colson and may are on the zephyr playing backgammon and May warns him, you know, your your mission, your little mission didn't go unnoticed by the director, and he wants a word with you when we get back to HQ. And then all of a sudden, May sees Coulson as one of those creepy ghost people. And of course, Coulson's like, you know, it's really nice to get some alone time. We don't have this very often. So and I had to write down, of course, we can't just have a sweet moment between these two characters that we love that have feelings for each other. Like, they have to ruin it with some creepy ghost shit or like people are cursed or whatever, like get thrown in the bottom of the ocean. These writers are so mean. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> They're cruel. Um, I will go through because we this is our, one of our longer non-double-sized episodes <laughs> right. for, for no reason. We did have a twenty-minute pertinent diversion, so I feel like if we count that out, we're, we're pretty we're pretty good for us. Right. But uh, uh, quickly, the comic connections are cool and uh, not like super numerous. I mean, the obvious one is our guy uh, Robbie Roberto Reyes, who I mentioned before, is co-created. Um, by Felipe Smith and an artist who I have to look it up real quick, Trad Moore, really talented dude, like super interesting. Like his stuff is very, very stylized. It looks like graffiti art, like street art. And he uh, did a comic called Luther Strode. That I think he, maybe he wrote, but he definitely drew it. Uh, but he's extremely talented. And uh, the two of them uh, co-created him in uh, 2014. And he first appeared in all new Ghost Rider number one. Uh, because it was an era called all new Marvel and so <laughs> anything that was new was everything all new. was all new. <laughs> yeah, uh, Everything was uh, all hyphen new, all new. Uh, so he's the all new ghostwriter. Uh, he is pretty cool. He's, he's right now, even though there's another ghostwriter title, uh, Marvel with another ghostwriter with the original ghostwriter and his brother, both white dudes as the leads. He is one of the main characters and just starred uh, this last year in a six-month arc in the Avengers title. He's one of the main characters and one of the members of the Avengers. Maybe that's corporate synergy sort of stuff is why they canceled the show. There's a rumor that the reason why is because Feige wants to incorporate him into the films. I can only hope that they'll keep the casting because it's so dead on. Like the, I can see if they want to do his origin story over again, making him younger, but at the same time, like he's so good. Like, like it would suck for him to lose the opportunity, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and the other would be the guy we just met, the little teenage dude flirting. Uh, he's a little bit younger. Like he's just now a young teen in the comics and was introduced as like a pre-tween little brother. Mm -hmm. But his brother, uh, Gabe or Gabriel Reyes, 
uh, is also first appeared in All New Ghost Rider number one in May t- 2014 and was uh, created by the same fellows, Felipe Smith and uh, Trad Moore. And the other connection for this episode is our, our gal Ada, who, for one, <laughs> I, reading this, I have to think that clearly uh, Radcliffe is full of shit because the name in the MCU in shield is the artificially intelligent digital assistant. It's in the name, (laughs) the AI in her name. AIDA is artificial intelligence. You can't say it's not artificial intelligence. That's just in the name. This microwave doesn't have anything to do with microwaves. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's so it's insane. Like like, how does Radcliffe expect anyone to buy that? So, uh, our Ada, you know, first appeared at the finale of last season as a voice, as a disembodied voice. Now we see her, the lady. In the comics, uh, she is the artificial intelligence data analyzer instead of digital assistant. Is before the concept that digital assistants existed. Uh, she first appeared in Squadron Supreme number uh, one in 1985, created by one of my favorite creators, Mark Grunewald, an artist named Bob Hall. And this is the Squadron Supreme, are an alternate dimension Justice League. They have all okay. the characters from the Justice League, uh, but they are uh, transported into being Marvel characters in this other dimension. <laughs> so that they can weird. <laughs> read a pastiche, sort of. So yeah. like Night- Nighthawk is Batman. Um, what is her name? Power Princess is Wonder Woman. Hyperion is Superman. Mm-hmm. And he's created by Tom Thumb, who is sort of a combination of the Atom, because he's short, but he doesn't shrink. He's like the Golden Age Atom, who's just a, just a, a little person, just below 5'10 or 4'10 or whatever. And uh, But and also a Jack Kirby classic character, one of the uh, related to the new Ava DuVernay movie, uh, a new God-related character who is a little person who ran a circus that also uh, named Oberon, who was uh, involved in all the New God stuff because he was friends with their escape artist guy, Mr. Miracle, who will probably be very important in the Ava DuVernay New Gods movie because he is uh, married to Big Barda, who is her publicly declared favorite superhero. Uh, so in a weird way, Ada connects to the, the Ava DuVernay <laughs> in a super bizarre way. She's played by Mallory Jensen, who's great in Gallivant. I can't recommend that enough if you like musical comedies at all uh anybody it's really really great the other thing she brings up in the last comic connection for this episode are uh, she kind of i don't think she says life model decoy but she does say decoy doesn't she when she talks yeah. about being a shield yeah it's because the the physical body that ada is that that uh, Radcliffe has developed are going to become important too and they're referred to as life model decoys they were created by stan lee and jack kirby and first appeared in one of the first shield stories in uh, Strange Tales, number 135, in August of 1965. And there are shield robots designed to duplicate humanity. At first, they just look like a person. And at this point in the comics, they're, like, they're supposed to be so advanced that only like telepaths or people with, you know, like doing a cellular analysis from able to tell at first. Like they will, they will duplicate human bodily functions. They'll have heartbeats. They'll seem like people unless you cut them open and see their robots inside. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, and they've like, like replaced Nick Fury a bunch in the comics. Like of course they have. <laughs> now it's the the which or the the scrolls are replacing Nick yes. Fury in the films <laughs> because they already did that in the comics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 and, and you're absolutely right. And uh, it's 
it's kind of funny. I think I mentioned them before when we first brought up the Canning Brothers because that was a running theory that fans had where they're going to introduce the LMDs because that's why there's so many Canings when there was only one in the comics. <laughs> it's like, no, they just have a big family. <laughs> Someone did. I love enough. that they did it though. Like, like yeah. let's just go for it, man. And it gave us the excuse to have weird scenes of Pat Oswald arguing with himself about shield minutia, <laughs> which is like, I don't know. I didn't had no idea that my nerd, you know, side needed that, but right, it's right. pretty great. It's pretty great. <laughs> like, it's, I, it's I've lived really it. I, I've heard, I've heard two versions of Patton Oswalt arguing about comic minutiae in my head too many times <laughs> already. It was good. Good to see it. Uh, it was, I exercised it <laughs> by seeing it on screen. So uh, yeah, it's a great uh, season opener. And other than us being mad about, Ghost Rider, which took up a lot of our time and not being a show anymore. I feel like it was a positive thing. <laughs> this yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Everything about him is so great. The way he's introduced. Oh, so good. Um, I think we should end here. For sure. We like <laughs> went very long. <laughs> yeah. It's like our second longest episode, probably. Um, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me talking pretty much exclusively about Baby Yoda, uh, occasionally <laughs> wa- Watchmen, a few other things, DuckTales or X-Men, uh, on I Snow Nothing on Twitter. And I don't know, if I install Instagram on something else, maybe I'll use that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 I just remembered. So we got a comment on our Twitter. Oh, <laughs> um, so if, I don't if, if listener, if you remember last episode, um, we were talking about how the memory machine was talked about and then it would just kind of went away and we were like, okay, it just never came back. Um, so, um, Jarf, I don't know if that's actually your name, but your Instagram name is inspector Flora told us, um, uh, he thinks that the device that sapped the zapped hive in the hallway was meant to be a portable version of the memory machine. And he's like, do I get a no prize? <laughs> Which but- <laughs> for the, I mean, given what we were presented with, I think it's true. <laughs> yeah. And also like pro- it was probably meant to do something different, but Lincoln's like non-control of his electrical powers probably fried his brain because it was like too powerful or something. I don't know. But anyway, like I, I honestly would never have made that connection if you hadn't brought it up. Jarf, so thank you. <laughs> it's good to know. No, it was it, it it helped because I think we were both. It wasn't something that was going like, to keep us up at night, but we were both annoyed that it was. It seemed to be something unresolved because they usually mm-hmm. are very very good at that. Yeah. But yeah. so, but where can people find you? Um, you can find me at Space Chess with four S's in the Jess. You can find this podcast at Project Tahiti. Please send us more little tidbits like that if we don't know what the fuck we're talking about, because I'm sure yeah. that happens a lot. I, <laughs> like, I didn't think with the comic connections, but as far as obvious stuff, we're both missing <laughs> because, <laughs> because we're too busy writing down little barbs that crack us up about Australia. Which like we we're not anti-Australia or Australians. We only really don't like them. We're just really fascinated by that country. (laughs) That's true. The whole Gowana's mob system. (laughs) It's a protection money thing. Hopefully we can revisit something Australian this season because I'm sure there'll be something. Um, Trying to think, does JT ever appear again? I think he does. I think he comes back. We're going to count on that. (laughs) I'm pretty pretty sure he does. Uh, Right? I I don't know. I think he did, I think he does come back. Um, anyway, you can send us an email at project or at project Tahiti pod at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Apple 
Apple, no, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. <laughs> if you're a browser listener, you can listen on butwhythopodcast.com or Podbean. Thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Catch you later. Bye.